as we do consider our text for this Lord's Day sermon taken from Ephesians chapter 5. Verse, beginning with verse 22 and reading through verse 24. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. It may be asked, why has God summarized the duty of a wife to her husband in one word? Submit. Well, just as the role of leader lends itself to the sinful tendency not to lead for the benefit and well-being of others, and thus the command to husbands is love your wives as Christ loved the church. So the role of helper and assistant lends itself to the sinful tendency to usurp or to undermine a husband's lawful leadership within the home. And thus the command to wives is submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. This Lord's Day... Let us press on in our understanding of biblical submission by considering the following main points which flow from our text. First of all, what is the reason for biblical submission? Second, what is the example of biblical submission? And third, what is biblical submission? First, then, what is the reason for biblical submission? In our text, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, the very first part of that verse, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife. Verse 22 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And the reason given is, For the husband is the head of the wife. When the Apostle Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, commands wives to submit themselves unto their husbands as unto the Lord, he gives first a reason for that submission. That particular reason, dear women, is because God has made your husband the head or leader within the marriage. Realize, therefore, dear ladies, that you cannot resist the leadership of your husband without resisting God Himself. You may think to yourself, I am not resisting his godly leadership, but simply his ungodly leadership. And there is no disagreement that husbands daily sin 
and perhaps even daily abuse or misuse their leadership and authority within the home. However, you must never resist a husband's role as leader of the home. Even if you must at some point have to resist his unlawful command, which would lead you to sin. You do not resist the role and the office of leader, even if you must resist an unlawful command. Whether he is as loving as he should be, whether he is as righteous as he should be, whether he is as wise as he should be, as long as he is lawfully your husband, he remains your leader and head by divine appointment. Only death or a lawful divorce may lawfully terminate that headship. William Gouge, in his excellent treatise of Domestical Duties on page 330, responds to a question which addresses this very issue. It is asked, and I quote, What if an husband be an enemy of Christ? Must such subjection be yielded to an enemy of Christ as to Christ himself? Answer. Yea, because in his office he is in Christ's stead, though in his heart an enemy. So a wife must be mild, meek, and gentle, obedient, though she be matched with a crooked, perverse, profane, wicked husband. Thus shall her virtue and grace shine forth the more clearly, even as the stars shine forth most brightly in the darkest night. Among wives, Abigail deserveth great praise, that forgot not her duty. Though she were married to a churlish, that is rude, covetous, drunken sot, a very Nabal or fool, in name and deed. As for those wives who take occasion from the wickedness of their husbands to neglect their duty, they add to their cross a curse. For a cross is to have a bad husband. But to be a bad wife is a sin which pulleth down a curse. I would furthermore remind you, dear women, the husband is not a self-appointed leader, nor is his leadership the result of a majority vote within the home. He did not seek election to become the husband. It is God's divine appointment. For in his role as leader, he bears the very image of God before his wife according to 1 Corinthians 11.7. Now, that's important for the husband to realize because he must rule on behalf of the Lord. He must therefore not abuse his authority or misuse his authority because God will reckon with him on that account. But furthermore, on behalf of the wife, she must realize that when she submits to her husband as the head of the home, she is submitting to Jesus Christ. 
And she cannot submit to Christ unless she submits to her husband. In fact, Peter speaks to this issue when he calls Christian wives to submit to the leadership of even their unbelieving husbands in fear. That is, out of fear of the Lord, even believing wives should, should submit to unbelieving husbands, recognizing that the image of God as leader within the home is stamped even upon that unbeliever. In 1 Peter chapter 3, listen to what the Apostle says. <clears throat> one, verses 1 and 2. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. That is, coupled with fear of the Lord. If then submission to unbelieving husbands is required by this text, dear ones, how much more to believing husbands who seek to follow Christ, however falteringly they may do so. Before moving on to our next main point, I call you to remember the words of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram who rebelled against the divinely appointed leadership of Moses by saying, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. This is Numbers 16.3. And because of that heart, that attitude and those words that were spoken by these men in not respecting the role of leadership given amongst God's people as an example to us all in all succeeding generations, the Lord reveals His righteous anger against the insubordination of these Levites and opened the earth to swallow them alive. God takes the matter of submission, whether it's submission on the part of husbands or men to the lawful authority within their lives, or the submission of wives to lawful authority within their lives. God takes this so seriously, for it is to undermine the very image of God that He has placed in those who rule. Our second main point. What is the example of biblical submission from our text? Look with me at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. For the husband is the head of the wife, and here's the example even as Christ is the head of the church and He is the Savior of the body, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, 
So let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. The example of biblical submission given by the Apostle Paul to the wives to emulate is that of the church to Christ. Notice again in verse 23, the latter part, he says, even as. That's a comparison. In verse 24, therefore, as. Comparison. Just as Christ has been appointed head of the church, and so the church must submit to his leadership, so must a wife likewise recognize that her husband has been appointed head of the marriage and she is to submit to his leadership within the home. But it will no doubt be asked, how can this example be followed inasmuch as Christ is perfect and sinless in his leadership, but a husband is admittedly weak, frail, and sinful in his leadership. Although there is no direct parallel between Christ and a husband, his leadership is not the same exactly as that of a husband's. There is a similarity, but there is not a sameness. There is a likeness, but it is not an absolute sameness. Nevertheless, even though there is only a likeness between the leadership of a husband and that of Christ, the Lord says through his inspired apostle that a wife is to submit to her husband as the church does to Christ. For perfection in this case, perfection is not the basis for following the example of the church in submitting to Christ. Hear me clearly. It is not perfection which the Lord appeals to and says, because your husband is perfect like Christ, therefore submit to your husband. No, it is because and on the basis of the fact that the Lord God has made Christ to be the head and has made the husband to be the head. He has appointed the office. And on that basis, There is to be submission. Therefore, dear wives, do not wait until your husband reaches a certain level of sanctification in his life before you begin to submit to your husband, as does the church to Jesus Christ. Another question arises from the example of the church's submission to Christ. Since Christ is absolutely righteous, loving and wise, there never is a time in which the church should not obey him. But such cannot be said of a husband. How are wives to be subject to their husbands in everything when their husbands are indeed capable of leading them into sin? Well, first of all, Submission 
to lawful human authority, even in the home, is never absolute. Only submission to God, dear ones, is absolute. For only God is Lord of the conscience. Only God never errs, fails, sins, or leads astray. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23, <clears throat> the Apostle Paul says, Ye are bought with a price. That is, you don't belong to yourselves. You've been purchased by God. You've been purchased by Christ. Be not ye the servants of men. That does not imply that we are never to, again, subject ourselves to lawful authority. But we do not subject our conscience as servants to men. God alone is Lord of the conscience. Only His Word can be appealed to to cause submission as to conscience. Furthermore, the Apostle similarly says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith you stand. Even as an apostle of Jesus Christ, Paul says, we do not exercise dominion over your faith. Neither does a husband exercise dominion over his wife's faith. Only God exercises dominion over her faith and over your faith. Samuel Rutherford, in his work entitled A Survey of the Survey of That Sum of Church Discipline, in the preface to the reader, has given a classic remark as it pertains to the matter of submission in church courts, but which should be heeded by all who are in places of authority. Listen to what Mr. Rutherford says. For our church acknowledgeth no subjection nor subordination of inferior judicatures, that is, courts, unto superiors, but in the Lord. It is to make synods and ecclesiastical judicatures, or courts, lords of our faith, which the Reformed churches detest in popish councils. For all men and councils most lawful can challenge only limited obedience and submission in the Lord to their determinations. Secondly, concerning this question as to how far the submission extends on the part of a wife, I say, since lawful human authority is derived from God and represents God, submission must always be ultimately to God and only to one who bears the image of God in ruling 
lawfully. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 and 22, notice very carefully the qualification that is given with regard to submission. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That is, submission even amongst members of the body of Christ to one another is always out of fear of the Lord. Submitting our conscience to His Word, ultimately, to His voice, ultimately, as it may come through another member of the church. Our submission is in the fear of the Lord. And that's always the qualification, whether it's in the home, whether it's in the church, whether it's in the business realm or in the, in the state. It's always submission in the fear of God. And then verse 22 of chapter 5. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Only as you would submit unto the Lord and do what the Lord commands you. That which is in agreement with what Christ says. To, only in that way you are to submit to your husband. As he speaks forth that which is agreeable. That which is not contradictory to. That which does not lead into sin. And then consider one other passage in Colossians 3.18. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. You notice the qualifications here. It is not an absolute, unlimited obedience or submission, but that which is in the Lord, in the fear of God, as is fit in the Lord. In fact, when a wife submits to that which is unlawful, I would submit to you that she has entered into rather a conspiracy with her husband against the Lord, as did Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5. For example, if her husband command her to believe what is false, or to teach the children what is false, or commands her to lie for him, or commands her to break the Sabbath, or commands her to break a vow upholding any duty commanded in God's Word, she must respectfully refuse to comply with that command, falling back upon God whose authority she is always to submit to. We ought to obey God rather than men, the apostles said in Acts 5.29. Mr. Gouge, again in his work, Domestical Duties, on page 326, concisely summarizes the extent of submission required of a wife in these words. Subjection must be yielded to the husband as to Christ. Whence will follow two conclusions, one negative, which is this. The wife must yield no other subjection to her husband than what may stand with her subjection to Christ. The other affirmative, which is this. The wife must subject herself to her husband in that manner 
that she would or should subject herself to Christ. Thus, dear ones, when in Ephesians 5.24, a wife's subjection to her husband is said to be in everything, It cannot mean in every single word without exception that proceeds from his mouth. But rather, the Lord emphasized that a wife's submission to her husband is not limited to just certain areas of their marriage, but rather that submission on the part of a wife extends to all areas of the marriage, but in the fear of God. Not simply in one little narrow part of their marriage. But the husband's rule and authority and his headship is over all areas, but always limited by that which is agreeable to the Word of God. The third and final point is this. What is biblical submission? In part one to this sermon, which you heard a couple weeks ago on the duties of wives, I concluded that sermon by removing several false ideas often associated with biblical submission. I mentioned four in particular, and simply mention those again in summary. First of all, biblical submission is not servitude or slavery. Second, it does not imply an inferiority as to nature, essence, or being. Thirdly, it is not the mindless act of a wife who cannot think for herself. Biblical submission does not imply stupidity or lack of intelligence in the least. And fourthly, it is not an unqualified submission on the part of a wife to her husband. Now, having considered what biblical submission is not, let us now positively identify what biblical submission is. First of all, Biblical submission is a God-given grace that willingly and cheerfully acknowledges the husband to be the lawful, God-ordained leader of the home. I begin at this point because apart, dear ones, from the grace of God, no man, no woman, No child is able to acknowledge their subordinate role under lawful authority. Like any other good work or gracious affection that should be manifested in the life of a Christian, biblical submission is not the basis of a wife's acceptance before Christ. Because she submits, this is not the basis upon which the Lord accepts her. It is not her work of merit, her works of righteousness, even one that is commanded by God, that brings her into favor with God. We must always remember that it is only Christ's submission and not a wife's submission. It is Christ's submission to all His Father's will, even to the point of suffering the full wrath of God. That is the basis for a wife's acceptance before the living God. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. The Apostle Paul 
declares, knowing that a man is not justified, we could certainly include a woman in that case, that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But I declare to you this day, it is by means of the grace of God that the seed of biblical submission is sown in the heart of the child of God and in the lives of you dear women. It is by God's grace that that seed, that that desire wells up within you to be submissive, to acknowledge your husband as the leader of your home. It is not because of your merit. It is not because of your grace. If it was not for the restraining grace of God in keeping you, from completely deploring and detesting your husband's authority within the home, you would be cast headlong in a moment into that particular path of hating your husband and his leadership. It is God's grace alone. But you see, dear ones, that seed that has been sown in your heart must be watered with the word and with prayer, if it is to grow. You must continually, wives, seek God's grace and God's mercy, calling out to Him in prayer, studying His Word, that His thoughts, not the thoughts of the world, that you would be transformed by the renewing of your minds and not be conformed to the image, to the likeness, to the thoughts of this world, that you would bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Jesus Christ, You must know the Word. And you must seek God's face if you are to grow in godly submission. Dear ladies, you have no doubt noticed that submission is very easy as long as you and your husband agree concerning matters. But let a decision go contrary to the direction you think it should go. And then all of a sudden, it's not so easy to submit. That is why it is impossible to speak of biblical submission apart from the work of God's Spirit in the life of every man, woman, and child. It is not natural for a wife to submit in cheerfulness, in peace, and in contentment to her husband. That's not natural. Quite to the contrary, it is supernatural. Our nature, dear ones, is one of rebellion against God and man. Thus, apart from the free and powerful grace of Christ in giving you the desire to submit in the fear of the Lord and in subduing and crucifying your natural desire to lord it over your husband, it is not possible to submit as the Lord calls you to do. Those wives who do not cultivate a grace of submission which issues from the heart 
and is evident in word and deed will simply go through the motions of submission. They will be no different than the Pharisees of old. They will become legalists in a mere outward conformity, but despising and hating it within their hearts. That is not the submission that the Lord calls any of us to. Their obedience will be no more than a formal, cold legalism. I ask you, is biblical submission a desirable and good quality? That should only have to be a rhetorical question because we know, yes, the Word of God teaches from beginning to end. It is a desirable and good quality then I urge you, dear wives, I urge you, come to your Father daily. Daily beseech Him to grant to you the grace of submission. Because He invites you to do so. Do you lack that? Do you find it ever so difficult? I ask you, how often, how much time do you spend before the Lord in prayer and asking God to give you this grace of biblical submission. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12, the Lord says, Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. Everyone who knocks, the door is open to him. And then the Lord compares our coming to the Father and coming to an earthly father. And if you expect as children to receive that which is good from your Father here upon the earth, who is a sinner, and yet if you ask for bread, he won't give you a stone. If you ask for that which is good, He'll not give you something that is hateful and destructive to your life. How much more, the Lord concludes by saying, if you lack anything, any good thing, come, beseech me, fall upon the mercy of Christ. For this has been purchased for you in your salvation. Biblical submission. It's not a gift or a grace foreign to you and alien to you in Christ. It has been brought near unto you. It's something that each of you can enjoy and grow in by the grace of the Lord. This, this grace, dear ones, may indeed be despised as worthless by the world around us. But let me tell you, it is of great value and price in the sight of God. And in case you didn't realize it, in the sight of your husband as well. Do you want to make yourselves beautiful? Don't focus all your attention upon the outward man. You want to make yourself attractive to your husband and most importantly to God. Work on the inward man in developing and cultivating the biblical grace of submission. The second thing that biblical submission is, biblical submission is an acknowledgement in both word and deed 
that the husband is the head or leader of his wife. Sarah not only obeyed her husband according to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, but she acknowledged with her mouth that he was her head and called him Lord. Remember again, dear ones, that Peter here addresses women with unbelieving husbands. And yet it is to be the faithful profession of every godly wife that my husband is my head under God. Thus, I submit to you that it is foreign and inconsistent with this truth for a wife to rail against her husband when all the women get together. Dear ladies, I exhort you, be ever so careful, even when you might correct your husband's faulty memory in public, that it does not come across as if by your words and deeds you are putting him in his place. Public humility or I should say public humiliation, whether coming from husband or wife, is unprofitable to edification unless, in this small circumstance, extraordinary circumstance, unless that behavior or misbehavior is so extreme that it requires public humiliation. When you honor your husband, dear women of God, when you honor your husband in word and in deed as your head, you honor God who has placed him there. Thus, ladies, just as you will tell your children not to demonstrate a disrespect for your own lawful authority by shouting, by speaking in a condescending manner, by weeping uncontrollably when the children don't get their way, by nagging continuously, by refusing to speak to you because the children did not get their way, by carrying a chip on their shoulder or a grudge, by moping around as if the world had come to an end, or by slamming the door as they leave the room. So likewise, I encourage you women, so likewise do unto others, namely unto your husbands, as you would have others, namely your children, do unto you. Thirdly, biblical submission is a matter of obedience to all the lawful commands of a husband. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 6. Again, referring to the example of Sarah, it says, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham. Obeyed Abraham. Not a grudging obedience, but a sincere, willing, and dare I say, even cheerful obedience to all lawful commands. Since I have already 
in past sermons gone into the matter of how a husband is to, is to direct his wife and even at times command her. I will not revisit that particular issue again. I will say just that this, however, that the husband who understands how to lead his wife will only resort to an outright command when other forms of request and persuasion have fallen upon deaf ears. He does not overuse that particular right that God has given to him. He uses it carefully and wisely and rarely. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Solomon said in Proverbs 15.1, But dear women, even if the husband should issue direct ultimatums to his wife, and even if he does so harshly, and even if we could criticize everything about the way in which he did so, nevertheless, for all that he has done wrong, and he will give an account before God if he does not repent, all that he has done wrong, nevertheless, her duty before God is to look beyond the way in which the command was issued and rather consider the image of God in her husband who gave the command. And she was to obey if it is a lawful command. Is that a hard thing to do? Yes, it's very hard. We might even say, with the right heart and attitude, it's impossible. It requires the grace of God to obey willingly and cheerfully in such circumstances. And, dear women of God, it is so much wiser in those circumstances for you to bite your tongue when you would like to give your husband a piece of your mind. Choose the time when you will discuss with him what you believe to have been given in the wrong way. To not be, have been given out of love. To not have been given for your well-being and your profit and edification. Choose the right time and go to your husband. But do not, I implore you, do not begin to show disrespect, to yell, to shout, to speak in a condescending manner. This is simply the obedience, dear ones, which Christ calls a Christian wife to practice. In Titus 2.5, beginning with verse 3, The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. Listen. That the word of God 
be not blasphemed. Do you want to bring reproach upon the name of God, upon the word of God? Then do not obey your husbands. That will bring reproach upon our religion, upon our God, upon all that we hold dear and cherish. And I would simply say this to the men. A good leader... Dear men of God, a good leader always recognizes he may have missed something in a decision or plan. He realizes that he does not know everything, nor is he incapable, or nor is he yeah, incapable of erring. And thus he doesn't despise his wife's input, but rather encourages and solicits her wisdom on a matter. I would say very clearly it's the proud insecure leader that leads alone never seeking or following the good advice of others but of course even when the advice and counsel of your wives is solicited there may come times where there is disagreement as to what to do, which direction to go. And where there is disagreement between the husband and the wife in regard to a decision, not a sinful decision or one that will lead someone to sin, but a disagreement as to a decision that must be made, it is the husband's duty under God to lead his wife in love by making that final decision for the well-being of his wife. That final decision rests with the husband. And it is the wife's duty to follow in meekness the decision of her husband unless that decision leads her to violate the commandment of God. And it is precisely at that point, dear wives, that you are tested, very severely tested, in the whole matter of submission. Will you submit willingly, sincerely, and cheerfully in that situation? An observation for you to consider. It is amazing how in God's wise plan for marriage, ordinarily, when a husband sincerely seeks to love his wife as Christ loved the church, that love draws forth a response of cheerful submission from his wife. And when a wife in return cheerfully submits to the leadership of her husband, that cheerful submission draws forth from the husband an even greater expression of love, which compels a greater degree of submission, which constrains even more love and affection, and so forth and so forth. You see, it is a circle. And as love and as submission are practiced within the home, that marriage becomes stronger and stronger. 
And it will not be broken. And it will not be cast down as that couple continues to trust the Lord. As I close today, let me apply these truths in a few different ways. First, wives, pray much for your husband in his role as a leader. I assure you, it is no easy job to lead and to love a wife as Christ leads and loves his church. In fact, the burden at times seems so unbearable, so great for any Christian husband who takes his duty seriously before God. Therefore, I encourage you, wives, cover the weaknesses of your husbands in love rather than exposing all his faults. Second, wives, do not lose heart that your meek and quiet spirit goes unnoticed by your husband or that, in your opinion, it even goes unnoticed by God himself. A wife who adorns herself with godly submission is indeed a beautiful creature and will sooner have a direct effect upon her husband than a wife that is continuously showing disrespect, that is loud, that is contentious, that is disrespectful, and a continuous nag. Even if nothing ever changes in the life of your husband, you are of great price. The Word of God says in 1 Peter chapter 3, you are of great price in the sight of God. Third, dear wives, focus more on your own growth in godly submission than upon your husband's growth in Christ-like love. And I would say the same thing to husbands. Focus more on your duty to be like Christ in loving your wife than upon her duty to submit to you. This is not, dear ones, an if-then proposition. If he loves me as Christ loves the church, then I will submit. If she submits to me as the church does to Christ, I will love her as Christ loves the church. Both husbands and wives will give an account before the Lord on that final day as to their love and biblical submission. Fourth, a word to you single women and young ladies in the congregation. Take care who you consent to marry, for you will be called to submit to him as your head. Make sure you do not fall into some emotional swoon in which you overlook some glaring faults. The kinds of questions you should be asking are, does he submit to the authority of others? Has he himself learned 
Biblical submission. For it is those men who themselves have learned biblical submission who will be able to guide, direct, love their wives in helping them in biblical submission. Is he respectful to his own parents and to his elders? Does he show respect and submission to others? How does he treat women in general? Is he very rude and discourteous? Does he treat women as second-class citizens? Or does he treat them rather as the weaker vessel and give them the honor due to that place? Is he courteous and gentle? Is he a gentleman with women? And finally, dear ladies... Remember this, that Christ does not call you to do something he himself was unwilling to do. In Luke chapter 2, verses 51 and 52, perhaps two verses that boggle our mind after the occasion of Jesus when he was 12 years of age going to Jerusalem and his parents having left Jerusalem returning to find him with the teachers and being approached by his parents what do you think you're doing and his response how is it that ye sought me wished ye not that I must be about my father's business Verse 50, and they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. Verse 51 and 52, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He was subject. The sinless Son of God, the Lord of glory, was subject unto frail, sinful parents. Wives, the Lord does not call you to do that which He Himself would not do. Christ is not only an example to the husband as to how to love his wife, Jesus Christ is also an example to the wife as to how she is to submit to her husband. And furthermore, I submit to you that the Lord Jesus Christ submitted to the will of his Father in heaven in all things, according to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 7. The Lord doesn't delight in the sacrifice of animals. The Lord Jesus came, therefore, to fulfill all that was written of him. That was given him by the Father to do. He submitted himself unto his Father. And you know what? His submission, his submission is your righteousness. The fact that He obeyed and submitted to His Father in all things is your righteousness which has been imputed to you 
and upon which you stand, his submission. Let not the world feed you its poisonous lies to the effect that submission is demeaning or belittling, women. To the contrary, biblical submission is actually the way to honor and exaltation. I close with this last verse. James chapter 4. Verses 7 and 10. Submit yourselves therefore to God. This is spoken to all, not simply to wives. But notice how this submission leads to honor and exaltation. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Please stand with me in prayer. Our gracious God and Father, we do pour contempt upon all of our pride. We do see ourselves, Lord, as those by nature who despise submission, who run from Thee, who do not seek to be under Thy authority. But, O Lord our God, we are thankful that Thou hast captured such rebels as we are by Thy grace. Thou hast brought us unto Thyself. Thou hast given us faith to believe and trust in Christ. Thou hast sown within our hearts Biblical submission. And, O Lord our God, it is our desire to be submissive to all lawful authority. And we do this day pray for our dear wives, that our Father, the wives in our church and within our congregation, may have the testimony before all the world that there are women who understand and know the grace of submission, who submit in the fear of the Lord, who are meek and quiet in spirit, who are wise and understanding. We pray, Heavenly Father, that Thou would give to us as husbands the grace to make that submission on their parts easy by our loving leadership, by our gentle ways with them. We ask our God that thy mercy and grace may be poured out upon each of our homes to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ that our homes would be seminaries where young people are raised and taught in the things of God and who learn from observing and watching and hearing their mothers, that they understand what biblical submission is. We praise Thee, our God, for our Savior, who has set the example before us. And we do seek 
to walk in his paths of submission. To the glory of God. Amen. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. You are welcome to make copies and give them to those in need. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. It is likely that the sermon or book that you just listened to is also available on cassette or video, or as a printed book or booklet. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.